Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. What's going on, everybody? Hello, and welcome to the Peace of Authenticity podcast. The Peace. The Peace. The Peace. We are going to have a good time today. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we do. Um, And hopefully you (laughs) learn something, too. Uh, Because we are actually going to get to talk about one of our favorite places that we went to when we, on our trip to Israel. And hopefully on this podcast, we're going to have lots of pictures. Yes. um, Because we really loved this place. And I remember when we were here, I actually fell down the stairs. What? Remember my foot slipped on when we were going down? Remember? Oh, dang it. So I didn't get it. Yeah, nobody saw it. Oh. Nobody saw it except for maybe Brad Nelson. He was in the back with me. And Are you okay? Well, obviously. You yeah, no, I'm fine. It was <laughs> Why just, don't I it was remember em- you falling? Because you were in front. It was embarrassing. <laughs> so wait, maybe you didn't tell me. No, I told you. I, I just <laughs> didn't want anybody else to know. So I fell down, but that didn't take away from the experience. That tells you how cool this place is. This is so but cool. But actually, we are going to dive into this episode and next episode are going to be all about En Oh, my gosh. Oh, flipping En It was like... It was very strategic whenever we went to En because we had spent four days in the desert. Yes. And then we got to go to this, literally En if you're wondering what it is, it is a desert oasis. It is literally smack dab in the middle of the desert. It is a a waterfall stream beautifulness that Mm. actually flows into the Dead Sea. And so um, for a place so brown and honestly lifeless all around the Dead Sea, this is the most beautiful, um, has like trees, palm trees, vegetation, wildlife. You don't see a lot of wildlife in the desert. Um, You see a shrub here and there. Um, But En Gedi is totally different. I mean, it was the most mind-blowing thing because you're driving in the desert and then all of a sudden you come up on this place and you're like, what is this? And then you walk up to it and you're going through these like up these I don't know steps rock steps and then through like little caverns and it feels like all of a sudden nature turned on its AC I don't know how else to explain it like it just felt probably 10 degrees cooler there and yeah we're still in the desert that's what was blowing my mind and so a fun story real quick about En Gedi I love hummingbirds oh if you don't know that about me, well, now you do. It's a big thing about me. So, now you know. And I just love them. They're so cute. They're so little, and we have some here at the house. And if Aubrey's like, "There's a hummingbird," I will run from wherever the heck I was to where Aubrey said there's a hummingbird, and I will watch it until it is done eating. <laughs> and then it just flies away, and my heart is so full. And um I had not thought about a hummingbird because we've been in the desert for days, and I was like, "Well, I told my friend April, if I do see a hummingbird, it's going to have to be an En I mean, obviously. Yeah. And guess what? I saw a hummingbird. And did I freak out and people looked at me weird? Maybe. But yeah. I saw him and he was cute. And yeah. He was happy because he's in an oasis in the desert. Dude, En was so cool. 
I'm just, I'm just telling you. So one of the fun facts about Engedi, right? It's a, it's a perennial waterfall. Yes. Mm-hmm. At, you know, up hiding in there in the midst of this cavern that goes deep into the mountain. Perennial meaning it flows all year. All round. year round. All year Beautiful round. Fresh water is falling. Beautiful. And and it was actually, if you look in your Bible, this is why we're talking about Engedi because this is the place that David and his mighty men and the men that were loyal to David were hiding from King Saul in the book of First Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, after I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but Saul was the first king of Israel. Mm-hmm. Samuel goes. Saul disobeys the Lord. Saul loses the anointing. Mm-hmm. Or he still was king, but yeah. he lost. His legacy wouldn't carry it on. So Samuel then says, David, you're going to be king. We talked about that in the Good Shepherd, I think, yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuel goes and finds David, and he says, you're going to be the next king of Israel. So Saul develops a hatred towards David because David is finding favor with God and with man all over the place. Oh, and yeah. his his fame is skyrocketing beyond even the king. And honestly, their relationship probably reminds me of like frenemies, but on steroids. Yeah. Because sometimes Saul would be like, come play your harp. It's the only thing that helps with my headaches. It's the only thing. Yeah. Right? And then... David will be playing the harp, and then all of a sudden, there goes a spear that he has to dodge. Because oh, yeah, and then Saul King Saul tried to would kill throw him. a spear. I mean, if you <laughs> can think in your head of frenemy, but just go ahead and move that up like just so many more levels, and that is exactly where King Saul and David are. Because I feel like David is like, I don't know why he feels like we're in competition, but I really want to just be his friend. And Saul's like, kill David. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that we've all we've all been in a I've situation like that, that too about my friends not the killing part but i wish we weren't in competition i feel like there's this unspoken competition i don't understand why well this is what's happening here and it's intense so intense that saul has tried to kill him several times and he's trying to find him and heard from a source that they were hiding in en yeah in the caves so i'm sorry i'm i'm looking up something else for a little bit later um because you know we're super prepared around here all right yeah, so well, here we go First Samuel chapter twenty-four, we we finally open up. Mm-hmm. I don't know why at, I did that. <laughs> at Engedi. So, First Samuel twenty-four. If you have your Bibles, turn there right now. So we go right here. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose three thousand elite troops from all of Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. This is what was cool because it's it's all the reason why that the Bible says the wilderness of Engedi is because it literally was all desert around yeah. everywhere until you get into Engedi. Every movie that you've ever seen where there was like a a, a mirage, right, yes. or like a desert oasis. Where, you know, you never really know as we're following the main character of the story, is is this really is real? an oasis mm-hmm. or is it a mirage, right? Mm-hmm. In Getty was that. And so Saul finds out that David's here and he's like, I'm going to go trap this dude in there. And what was cool is there's like no other wildlife anywhere around there like in the no. desert but in in Getty yeah. there is the ibex the ibex are what what this calls right um the men near the rocks of the wild goats yeah they're wild those goat. are ibex yeah 
That's what, that's what they're called in Israel. And they still have those there today because Engedi is actually a national park mm-hmm. where you're not allowed to mess with the Ibex. Um, but we, whenever, whenever we went there, there's a bunch of school kids there. So all yeah. the Ibex were hiding. If there's not as many people, um, you can see them. And there's yeah. just so many other like really cool animals that live there. Yeah. Like hummingbirds. Yeah. 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 Like hummingbirds <laughs> and Ibex. So I can't, I can't wait. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait until next episode because the purpose of Ingeti and, and all the illustrations behind Ingeti is going to be so powerful. Oh but just for today, we wanted to break down this story um, because we just love this story. And, yeah, and, and there's so much it. meaning that I that most people that just read it firsthand wouldn't understand unless yeah. you just understand more of it. Well, more more of the what what we call in context, right? Understanding the historical and like the sim the symbolism yes. of what the Bible is trying to show us. Yes. So we're gonna start back in verse three, and it says, "At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself." That All right? means number, <laughs> number two. two. All right. So Saul had to go potty. Even so, king's poop. We learned yep. about that with the pharaohs. Yeah. <laughs> the king of Israel is not like Pharaoh. He freely went he poop. Will poop. All right. So he goes in there to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Awkward. Okay. Yeah. This is super weird. First of all, I'm sitting here going, That's a big cave. why wouldn't Saul send his men in to check the cave before he just went in? It must have been one of those kinds of number twos. Yeah, it must have been quick, fast, and in a hurry. I mean, he had to climb a little bit to get there. He maybe ate too many fruits. Um, So they come back. David and his men are hiding further back in the cave. Verse 4, now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to Mm. do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Okay, we're going to stop right there just for a moment because if we'll we'll learn what happens next in just a, in just a second. Okay. So, David's men come up there and they say God has basically delivered Saul into your hand. This man that's tried to kill you so many times. Yeah, the guy that's tried to kill you so many times, the guy you're hiding from, your life will be so much easier and you could actually make the prophecy unfold faster, right? David already knows at this point that he's going to be the next king of Israel. He knows that. Samuel already prophesied that. And it's been years and years. It's been years. Yeah. David was still a boy. Yeah. In, in the, with the sheep, when he found out he was going to be the next king of Israel, he's grown now. Like several years have went by Mm -hmm. after this happened. And so David knows. So his men, right, get in his ear and they say, God has surely done this for you. God has handed Saul needing to go number two is the opportunity for you to go and take that prophecy into your own hands and fulfill it today. Now, this is what always used to kind of confuse me is if David had the opportunity, he could have walked up there and like every assassin movie known to man, he could have walked up there, grabbed Saul, slit his throat, boom, I'm David, I'm the new king, here we go. Mm -hmm. But David chooses to creep up while this dude's going to the bathroom and he only cuts the hem of his garment off and then goes away. Why? Why on earth, Mm -hmm. when you have the opportunity to 
make the prophetic word come to pass because how many of you know as humans we oftentimes try to make God's will happen in our lives and like let's say that the Lord gave you a prophetic word and it's like at this certain time I'm going to raise you up I'm going to do this and you see the opportunity arise just like David is right now and the people surrounding you right your inner circle is like oh this has to be from the Lord you got to you got to take this and run with it right and you go up in there and all David does is cuts the hem off of his garment instead of taking his life therefore making himself king of Israel right because Samuel the prophet would back up right the fact yeah. that David's supposed to be the next king of mm-hmm. Israel he could have taken it into his own hands and just killed Saul right then and moved on. But he only cut the hem off of his garment. And I always thought whenever I was younger it meant like, buddy, I got this close. I could have killed you, but I didn't. Yeah. I always thought that's what it meant. But when we read a little more, yeah, what happens. But it, it, it the next few verses actually always confused me. I'm like, yeah, why is David acting like this after he did that? Who cares? Like, why does it matter that you cut off his robe? He probably wouldn't notice, right? Or would he? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> verse 5 tells us, But then David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe. I know. I was I'm, just like, I don't get it. Why? It's like, dude, you could have cut his throat, let alone his robe. <laughs> you, you should know? be like, you're welcome. Yeah. I don't feel bad. I mean, you should, you should be thankful that the Lord made you be merciful in that moment and go, But we're going to continue reading. And David said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for Mm -hmm. the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord the King. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Hmm always weirds me out the uh, it always did and this exchange is super weird mm-hmm. unless you know the reasoning behind it it's oh my gosh it's just so amazing it, it, you know we've always said this anytime you read something you're like but what mm-hmm. why there's so much to learn every time so this is just another invitation for us to dive into exactly why david would be convicted of cutting off the corner of someone's robe yeah so a little bit after this, if you follow down in the story, basically David comes out, he bows before Saul and he says, listen, I had you in my hands. I could have killed you. I could have done all this stuff, but I, but I spared you basically is, is how it goes on. But cutting off the corner of the robe, that's, that's the symbol that we really want to focus on mm-hmm. in this podcast because it was low key, kind of a, um, Kind of a clever jab. It was. It might have been worse than death for a king. I would yeah. say. Could be as far as far as as far as um. Let, let, let's say this authority. The, uh, the the authority, right? It, it kind of could have been kind of. It was shameful. Mm-hmm. It it was shameful for Saul to move forward. If he would have went back into, uh, well, if he would have went back into, where was the capital at that time? Was it in Mm, Gibeah? Yeah, and David moved it to Hebron and then to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So, if if Saul would have went back and tried to pray in the temple, um, he would have quickly found out that something happened Mm -hmm. because 
in the in the the custom of praying, right? You have a prayer shawl, mm-hmm. and when you cover your head with it whenever you go to pray in in the presence of the Lord, and one of his corners would have been gone, and he would have noticed it. And in Hebrew custom, you cannot go before the Lord with a jacked up prayer shawl. Yeah, and even in Deuteronomy, when the Lord was listing, you know, all of these things for the Israelites to abide by, it had to do with the four fringes. That was yeah. very important. So the four whenever, corners. so whenever David cut that off, it was one of the fringes. Therefore, he was. Yeah being disobedient to the Lord without realizing it. Um, and for a king, the robe and those four corners mean authority and power. So David also cut off some of that yeah, as well. Um, and th- so there's so much to it. And it's such a, it, it opens your eyes now to why David would even act the way that David did. And even how Saul replied to what David said after David said he cut off his robe. Hmm. Remember what is it? Is it right there? What Saul said to him? Um, no. Uh, uh, it's in that. It's in that. Um, it's in that article. But he pretty much says it's towards the bottom. Down. So, um, it, oh, it says. Uh, I don't think that it happened at the same time, though. It says, um, later on, Saul had a face-to-face confrontation with David during a rare moment of mental clarity on Saul's part, and he tells him in response to the act of having the hem of his garment cut off, now I know that you will become king. Is that what you're talking about? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, if you didn't know what it meant, you'd be like, okay, I mean... It makes a lot more sense when you understand yeah. what the cutting of one of those could mean for Saul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so know? like in a, in a historical <clears throat> reference, right? Any, any um, culture that you can go back and study, what separated the classes of people? Their garments, right? Like whether, mm-hmm. whether you were royalty or upper class or lower class, you look at Roman civilization, you look at the Greeks, you look at the Hebrews, you look at all of them. Um, that's why I, I believe that when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs because they were clean. They were fresh. They had the best garments on. Mm-hmm. And so when when you separate royalty from everyone else, the garment that King Saul was wearing was very fine it was it was very like you could see from miles away that this or you know what from the furthest distance that you can see <laughs> you could see you could you could see that <clears throat> Saul was the king and his his robe was always pretty it was always put together it was always perfect and so for David to walk up and cut the hem off of his garment uh, they they said that um, it made it, it was almost as though in the ancient world, one's authority or power rested in the hem of their garment. Oh my gosh. So David low-key walks up there, cuts the hem off of his garment in a way of saying, I am stripping you f- from your authority. You might still be the king, but you have no authority here. Mm-hmm. And that's why David felt remorse 
is because David knew in that moment that he he took the authority Mm -hmm. away from God's anointed. And until God's timing unfolds and he makes David king, Saul is still the king. And David David openly disrespected and stripped him of symbolic authority without having the clearance to do so by the Lord. Exactly. So David's like, who even am I to have done that? And that is that remorse and the fear of the Lord too. Yeah, that, that David always showed and always had. Yeah, you know, David. David was not a perfect man. Let I mean, we can go through so many different stories of of how David fell short. But one thing is true: I believe that David held a very healthy fear of the Lord because he was a man after God's own heart, which meant he was quick to repentance. This guy didn't even wait for Saul to get out of yelling distance before his conviction rose up and he ran out of the cave and he said, uh, Saul, Mm -hmm. I did this to you. I could have killed you. I didn't, but I cut your robe. Yeah. And And it said he bowed low. Yeah. That's what I was about to say to you. Showing humility, humility, because technically, um, Saul no longer had his authority. Therefore David did, right? Cause he was the upcoming King, but him doing that was a sign of humility. It was a, it was a huge sign of humility, absolutely, yeah. And so I think I think that here's here's where we get that we get that from in in Isaiah yes. six, right? Okay, oh so so we're not you know you could sit there and go oh well how do you, how do you know this information like how do you know that the hem of somebody's garment carries authority how do how do you know that that's where his royal uh, you know that's where his symbolic royalty is stemming from and it stems from there's a section in Isaiah 6 where the Bible tells us that starting in verse 1 listen to this it says it was in the year that King Uzziah died now listen we've already talked about this before on the podcast but there's significance in just that statement right there because the Bible oftentimes doesn't give perfect dates of when things happen, so it'll just give a description, a quick like little statement at the quick beginning. little statement. And it was the year the king Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. So Isaiah is giving us a prophetic vision that that he was given. Um, he was sitting on a lofty throne. This is this is where Isaiah is saying that he is seeing God directly, that that God gave him this vision, and that the train of his robe filled the temple. Length of someone's robe signified authority and power. The longer the robe, the more power, which kind of makes sense, backing it up a little bit, because I always thought that was a big deal for David to get that close. But if Saul was showing off his authority, it could have been a little further back. So David, was it was a little safer for him to cut it off too. Yeah, it could have been like a bridal dress. <laughs> Hold my train. Yeah, a, bi- a bridal but, train. But wow, like this yeah. vision is just like... Hit, the Lord's train filled the whole temple. I mean, talk mm. about authority and talk about power. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, man. so Ugh. so Isaiah goes, okay, Isaiah says, this is how much authority God has. That the hem of his garment, the train of his robe filled the entire temple. So this gives us that symbolic description of what does it look like to have authority. Mm-hmm. Isaiah says, well, God has authority so much that, that it all fills the temple and there's, 
no way to even measure it. Like it just filled the whole thing. It's all completely filled. So we, we get that and we go back and we understand that for David to cut this off mm-hmm. is basically him saying, man, I could have killed you, but instead I'm going to leave you alive and I'm going to strip you of your authority. Mm-hmm. So in a way, <laughs> in a way, what David did to Saul was more disrespectful I mean, I think it would be severely disrespectful to kill somebody while they're going to the bathroom. I mean, oh, in any situation, <laughs> I would say just super it's uncool. It's an easy target. Yeah, but but to understand that David was actually going in there and was like, "Dude, I'm gonna let you leave. I'm just gonna cut this off. I'm gonna steal that that symbolic authority from you, mm-hmm. and so that when you leave, all your soldiers, everybody that you come into contact with, is gonna see." that the hem of your garment is gone. They're going to see that your authority has been cut off. Mm -hmm. It just makes you go like, oh my gosh. Because for those of us, we're sitting here going, man, how many times have I been in a situation where I believe that the Lord's told me to do something or I've, I've been in the midst of a situation where I don't know what to do so I take things into my own hands without asking the Lord what to do, without moving forward. And a lot of us put in David's situation would have either sent our own men over there to take Saul out while he was going to the bathroom or we would have done it ourselves. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves for a second. Mm -hmm. Life would have been so much easier moving forward for David because you have to understand that he knew that he was going to be the next king of Israel. So he could have went from hiding in a cave in En Gedi to royalty just like that but he would have been in the same place as Saul disobedient to the Lord and not you know like it's just so interesting because sometimes we try to make something happen that we really feel like the Lord has told us to do but our timing we want it to be a little faster so if we see a little bit of an opening we're like oh there's my chance yeah instead of Lord is this the door I'm supposed to walk through or am I supposed to wait? Do I still have growing to do? Do I still have things that Mm -hmm. I need to learn? And, and so honestly, I think it's so amazing that David made the mistake, but he was remorseful and asked for forgiveness to this dude that's been trying to kill him for years and like chasing him. And it's just amazing because then, you know, it makes us think too about, um, are, are we done with this part? Because I want to go. I want to talk about Jesus a little bit. I just want to. Yeah. Sure. No. I was just. I was just trying to to um, get to like the the corners of the like the garment were considered like extremities or or wings. wings. Yes. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was and and so you can talk about Malachi. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so in Malachi, does it actually show where in Malachi right there? Because we can always um, uh, we can always see. look it up. But yeah. in Malachi, there's a scripture that talks about that there's healing in his wings, and it's talking Malachi about the Messiah. Malachi four two. Okay, Malachi four two. Can you read that? Yeah, it says. Um, hold on. Let me see. I know we like okay. the ESV. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Oh my gosh. Okay, so right there, Malachi, when he's writing, this is what he heard the Lord say about his son. So the Messiah, mm-hmm. right? There's healing in his wings. And so what you're talking about, that robe, that talit is what it, the robe is called, the prayer robe. They are wings. Right. And so it's saying that if you know your scripture 
As a Jew, you would know that the Messiah has healing in his wings. So let me take you to a story that all of us, all of us probably know about the woman with the issue of blood. Yeah. Well, because I'm saying, how, how does this connect? Okay. Yeah. So, so we talk about David and Saul, and, and that's cool. That's Old Testament stuff. You know, Aubrey and Jordan, that's cool, whatever. How do we connect that back to Jesus? <laughs> the Old Testament doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For, it totally yeah. does. But see, here's the thing. Everything that we do should, should bring us back to, to a healthy view of Jesus, or how does this story help us understand Yes, a situation Jesus. in the gospel. Yeah, Jesus so this is fast-forwarding into Mark chapter 5, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, it's titled, I love the way that, you know how the Bible like titles stuff before it like mm-hmm. cuts it into sections and says, Jesus heals in response to faith. And um, so, uh, do you want me to read it, or do you want to talk um, about it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. So here we go. Start in verse twenty-one, and it says, "Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, "My little daughter is dying," he said. "Please come." Lay your hands on her, heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. In verse 25, a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. And so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Other versions of this story say touched the hem of his garment. All right. And so uh, what she did, and touched his robe. For she thought to herself in response, this is her faith Mm -hmm. statement. (laughs) If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Immediately the blood stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed from her terrible condition. Oh my gosh. And you know, but then Jesus's response. Can you read that real quick, Aubrey? Yeah. It's it's just... (laughs) So, uh, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Who touched the hem of my garment? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Oh my gosh. Because us first reading Malachi 4.2, I think is what mm, Malachi yeah. was. The Messiah will have healing in his wings. That's what every Jew knew, right? And so it takes it to a whole new level when you realize what this woman was doing. She believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And that's why she said, if only I just touched the hem of his garment, that's all I have to do because there's healings, there's healing. I know it's like, ugh, and so her crazy statement of faith is busting through these people, which she shouldn't have been around anyways, right? Because a woman that's bleeding is unclean. 
So every voice in her head, she should actually be yelling unclean, unclean, and people, but she busts through the people to get to feeling shameful, feeling dirty, feeling all the things. (laughs) Well, see, okay, so here's what you have to understand. If someone was labeled unclean in the Hebrew scriptures, they they were responsible for letting everyone know that they were unclean. So it was her job, if she was in a crowd like this, to say I am unclean, like yeah, it was it was her job, and she just had her mind. She was just looking at Jesus, and she was just like, I have to touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, <laughs> it's Jesus knew, like, and that's why he said, Your faith has healed you. Yeah, for you have said, I am the Messiah by your action. And I told Aubrey the other day, like, it's just so amazing to hear what Jesus says when people finally their eyes are open to who he actually is. Because if yeah. you're reading the Gospels. Jesus is practically, I mean, he is saying he's the Messiah, but it's going right over people's head. Oh, are you Elijah that's come back? Are you one of the prophets? Are you, like all Mm. these different things that Jesus is like, you are overlooking everything. I am right here. Mm. And the people that saw him for who he was, the Messiah, the son of God, he rewards and he is just so thankful for eyes that actually see and and people that step out in faith because they know who Jesus is and oh my gosh I don't know this story it just makes me more of a mess now understanding that because the faith that it took for her to do that to go out I'm sure she'd been in her house just hiding from people all the time but then Mm. hearing that Jesus was coming it said she had heard about him yeah well and I think it's interesting that um, that that the Bible says that she also suffered under like the care of or she suffered a great deal from many doctors like she had to have been an experiment and she had she had lost all of her money paying these doctors and she had actually ended up becoming worse yeah so again we we find in this story right that we find another symbolic thing that shows authority in the hem of a garment jesus she knew if I could just touch that authority, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, that that authority will be released and I will be healed. There will be healing in his wings. Malachi 4.2 is actually another one of those things that points to Jesus being the Messiah. Mm-hmm. They said that he will rise up with healing in his wings. And when this lady touches the hem of his garment, that's why it's there, is to point to another sign that Jesus was the Messiah. But see, I, I want I want to look at one of the other parallels of this scripture, it, like these two scriptures, because we see David, he cuts off the hem of the garment, right? And he runs out and he falls to his knees and he cries out to Saul for forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? This lady fights through a crowd. Mm -hmm. She touches the hem of his garment. And when Jesus turns around, he says, who did it? And she fell to her knees, right? Mm -hmm. In the story of David, he turns and he he cries out to Saul and he says, I could have killed you, but I didn't. I showed mercy. In that story, the Bible tells us that Saul turns around. Saul went there with every intention of killing him. And Saul turns around and he goes... Is that my son, David? Hmm. Wow. So even in the midst of all of this happening, there's there's authority in the hem of the garment, but there's healing 
mm-hmm. in the hem of the garment. So even though David cut it off, because of his humility and because of his repentance and being quick, to, Saul turns around and truly discovers. I believe that even though the story tells us that Saul goes back to mm-hmm. his palace and David goes back into the stronghold of Engedi, right? They 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 weren't best friends, but I think it's it's powerful that we should look at in that moment. Saul turns around and he says. Is that my son, David? Mm-hmm. Even though he went there with every intention to kill him. So now that we know those two stories and, and we look mm-hmm. at the significance of the hem of the garment, I think that both of those stories just show us what authority and power and what a healthy fear of the Lord looks like. And also it teaches us about faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So all through the whole thing, we're seeing, okay, Saul and David, but it also connects back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the woman yeah. and David were living in the middle of a wilderness. I mean, the woman lived wherever Jairus and his daughter lived, but the fact that she had dealt with this for 12 years, she was living in a wilderness. She was an outcast, yeah, just like David was. And David was hiding. At En and her touching the hem of Jesus' garment, all of a sudden the bleeding stopped. She felt it, right? Mm. The Lord told me when we were at En Gedi, he said, I am your En Gedi. Mm. So in the middle of wilderness, in the middle of questions, in the middle of fear, in the middle of all these different things, asking the Lord, why is this happening? Why is this happening? The Lord is our En Gedi. He is our prize. It's not the certain situation we're in. It's not the certain season. It's not the certain people that are in your life, right? It's the Lord. And as long as I can touch the hem of his garment and I can be there with him in his presence, that's Mm. all I need. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's that parallel too, that, that shows David cutting off Saul's garment and then being remorseful. I think that these two stories teach us that every one of us that are followers of Jesus, we just need to be seeking after the hem of Jesus' garment. It's not for us to tear off the hem of anybody else's garment. Mm -hmm, It's not mm -hmm. for you to go and remove someone else's authority. It's not for you to go and talk someone down because as the Bible says, we fight not against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. It's not for you to go and teach someone a lesson that the Bible tells us that what you reap, you sow. So eventually, maybe the person that you feel like, man, I just wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could go and cut the hem of their garment off, wow. figuratively speaking, mm-hmm. right? These two stories parallel just teach us, the, the New Testament is teaching us that all of us are on the same path to just get to the hem of Jesus' garment, to, to mm-hmm. follow his feet, to be a sheep and not a goat, mm-hmm. right? David had a goat moment. Mm-hmm where he walked up and he cut the hem off, but he quickly became a sheep again by falling to his knees. And that's what I think this thing teaches us is, it's not for you to get revenge. It's not for you to go and make God's word happen in your life. It's just Mm -hmm. for you to seek after the hem. And God's hem, God's train fills the temple. His authority is unlimited. Oh my gosh, and we are walking tabernacles and temples. Yeah. So his his train fills your <laughs> temple. It fills you. 
So go after the hem of his garment. Stop looking to the left and right and trying to cut off other people's authority or or feeling like you have to confront everything. And this is for me. It's like you don't have to be the one confronting everything. It's you seek after the Lord. You seek after his feet, touching the hem of his garment. And let the Lord be the Lord and let him unfold his word in your life and you just sit back and do nothing so that nobody can boast. Jeez. Well, now since we're just messes, we should probably head out. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, guys. In Getty, part one. Um, I, I can't I wait. that place. Yeah, I can't wait until next week whenever we talk about In Getty again. Like, guys, we're, we're going to put some photos up throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put the, the, the hummingbird video. It's really fast, but my friend got it. Yeah. So all that's going to be in there. We're going to be posting <laughs> to social media and everything like that. But thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope that you were ministered to as we were. I hope that this revelation is a blessing to you mm-hmm. and um, that you can share it with someone else. But we love you guys and, and mm-hmm. we're thankful for you. We'll, we'll see you here next time. Same time, same place. Yep. Sounds good. We'll see, see you ya. there.